Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the BestOrProds.com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm dead. Show me today we have Birdie. Hi. Yep, just us. Sam. If you're listening to this podcast uh, within the first, like, hour or day of it being posted, uh, things might sound a bit different, and then maybe we'll jump up in quality, depending on how you define quality. That is something that I am trying out just as a means of getting these, like, edited and posted quicker, because you might have noticed over the last couple, the the entire year, uh, I've been pretty lax about that. So this is for me to get you guys' podcasts faster and with actual some amount of regularity. So yeah, like how we do recording stuff is just like Master Mix and then and then I edit everybody to that. This will be just, hey, the Master Mix goes up and then our edited thing goes up later so that it so that it will be, yeah. I've explained this on basically every podcast so far. But I assume every podcast is somebody's first. So, hey, just fucking... This is what we're doing. So you better get things you better get things relatively quicker and with more regularity. Except for this one because we're recording this one the day after it was supposed to be posted. So this isn't this isn't late because I'm lazy. This is late because I couldn't record the day we usually record. Because I was playing D and D. But anyway. We're here to talk about fucking anime and shit. Yes, I suppose we are. I'm realizing more and more every week how little actual anime I watch in comparison to manga I read. Yeah. I got, like, can... I got like a baker's dozen th- I got like a baker's dozen worth of things to talk about this week and none of them are anime. Mm. Well, uh, at the very least I've got some anime to talk about so do you want me to go first? or? Uh, please. Alright, well, let's get the thing that I... This is another show from the new season that I will definitely not be following. Because it's shit. Noise. Or... Urahara. Urahara. I I feel like I know that name. It's one of the new shows for this season. It exists. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Oh, right, this fucking thing. I I almost don't want to even try to explain this, because the reaction you had to the first episode of Black Clover, that's basically the reaction I had to the first episode of Urahala. I managed to finish it, but that's about it. <laughs> uh, well, actually, okay. you, did better, you did better than I did when looking to fucking... Yeah, but I knew I I but I also knew I was never gonna watch more than one episode, basically by about ten minutes, and I was like, nope. Just nope. <laughs> okay, so this is about three little girls who own a clothing slash sweet shop in Akihabara. Sure. <laughs> and one day an alien comes in and looks at their shop and says, this is all awesome. I want all of this. He then later comes back with his 
brethren and proceeds to invade all of the planet and steal stuff they want. <laughs> Including this random clothing and sweet shop in Akihabara. Okay, yeah, sure, fuck it. That's, yeah, totally. Jesus Christ. And all seems lost until an alien in a heart-shaped shuttle falls in front of them. Comes out, looks like a little pink-haired girl with a talking fried shrimp on her. As a, she's wearing a talking fried shrimp as a scarf. Sure, fuck it. Yeah, that... Why not? Yeah, it, it. As a result of this, uh, it, it, the fried shrimp in question gives the three girls powers to fight off the invaders. And when they defeat these invaders, they turn into sweets or clothing that the girls have thought up. Christ, you, you describing this has been one of the most fucking, like, lax reads I've ever heard you fucking give on this show. And it's sapping my energy. I literally can't care. Yeah, I get that. that. It's just, sense? it's been, a, it's been a, it, I feel like it's been, like, at least, like, a month since the last time that happened. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm, I'm not, enti- I'm just doing this to get out of my comfort zone a little bit more than anything else. But, oh my god, this is just... <laughs> okay, so, I, there are certain things about... There are certain genres that I often have an anemic reaction to. No. <laughs> One of them being Moe. And this is very, very Moe. But and it's not only Moe, it's also... Do you, have you seen Excel Saga or Fui Kuri? Um, kind of. Okay, the best way I can describe this is if they tried to make Fui Kuri Moe. So take all the random and all the just intentionally stupid decisions and just add a liberal dose of ridiculously cute things. And the end result is something that is both completely nonsensical and so saccharine that I'm not diabetic and I still feel like I went into a diabetic shock when I was watching this because I just kept looking for other things to do. (laughs) I literally looked up a two-minute clip of a funnier anime to get me through a 20-minute anime episode. Wow. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I don't think I've ever had that happen before. The closest thing was, like, a palate cleanser after Boogie Pop Phantom. Yeah. Which I needed another one, actually, because I actually saw some people who were like, yeah, Boogie Pop Phantom is, like, fucking great. (laughs) I was like, oh, no, honey, no. Yeah. 
Christ. Yeah. I t- this is one of the new shows from the season, and for reference on Crunchyroll, it has a lower rating than Black Clover. <laughs> well, given how much fucking Black Clover was being hyped up by that by fucking Crunchyroll, it would not surprise me if half of those reviews were written by Crunchyroll staff. Like, just artificially inflating its scores. I was like, no, it's not shit. Just please fucking watch this. Piero's a great studio. Come on, man. Look at those fucking smudge frames. That shit looks great. Even so, that there's a level of just not giving a shit that... I don't know if it's not giving a shit or it's just this... there's, There's no storytelling here to speak of. It's just randomness throughout and because of that i just don't know what to say other than this shit ain't for me <laughs> yeah yeah that sounds totally fair actually speaking of not giving a shit in fucking black clover i watched a video i watched like some fucking anime youtuber talking about fucking black clover and seen a bunch of clips from later episodes jesus christ that shit looks like cromarty high school but worse yeah no it is just so much of it is just all right we have the still image let's just fucking like put him on like a parabolic arc as we just like fucking cycle this non cycle this fucking like cg brickwork and then just have that be a scene no it it is embarrassingly cheap because this is it also doesn't make much sense because i get the impression from videos i've seen that piero is trying to stretch out the animation budget for this show like as if it was going to have as many episodes as say Nardo. Oh, oh and honey. I get a fair sense that that's not going to be the case. Just yeah. saying. <laughs> Actually, let me just fucking double check this thing. <sighs> Oh, well, that's something that I'll get into a bit later, I guess. Okay, so yeah, they did do Naruto. Yeah, that's 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 part of the hype train because uh, I don't know if you've seen like that Canadian shitbags video, but um, <laughs> I can call him that. It's what he calls himself. Yeah, totally. Uh, he's, he's YouTube's number one anime shitbag. Yeah, he's he started it by saying a lot of people were declaring Black Clover to be the new Boruto's dad. And yeah, I I don't see anything distinct. And even by the standards of like boilerplate shown in anime, I don't think see anything distinct enough for a huge audience to go to bat for black Clover. Oh no. That's the thing. Like, like I am a, I'm a fan of the manga and even I will not call it anything more than just the most shonen ass motherfucking thing in existence. Like Black Clover feels like what if you what if you got like some fucking like learning algorithm or like learning computer and then put in just like hey make a story with these tropes this is what it would generate But like even that is like of a certain level in the manga the anime removes all of that and makes it like actively worse Uh, and I I honestly am wondering like if this is if Piero is actually thinking this is the next Naruto because 
looking at the marketing, like the marketing alone, like even even like what limited I get of the fucking Japanese marketing for fucking anime and manga and stuff. Black Clover is being pushed hard. Yeah, and I get the impression that's because I don't think Piero has any other hits coming. At least not that I can see in the immediate future. Because, like, yeah, sure. I mean, I, so, uh, like, Madhouse has, Madhouse is doing My Hero Academia, right? Yeah, they're just, they are set. Yeah. <laughs> e- even before that, they were set. Just like, bitch, we're Madhouse. Meanwhile, this has. Meanwhile, Piero has. Yeah, I, yeah it's like fucking. Do you guys want the sequel to Tokyo Ghoul? Yeah, I just. I don't know. I think Piero. I mean, I don't. The, the Cora hates them more than I do. I just think they're kind of a meaninglessly mediocre studio at best. Yeah, kind of. And. I, Okay, like I don't know if one what studio is doing One Piece. I would have to look that up, but I would be more likely I to. I would be more likely to say that One Piece has a better chance of working as a series than this does. It's Toei Animation. <laughs> yeah, so Toei. Toei has a lot of like toy type shit they can fall back on, and Madhouse is Madhouse. I'm just like going through like the stuff that's still big shonen wise, just to try to get a sense of where it would fall. And yeah, I think Piero is just screwed because they coasted on Naruto for what must be 15 years. Yeah. So looking at it, um, what they got is um, Soma, Gintama, Haikyuu. Hunter x Hunter, which apparently is still a thing. In- intermittently. I can barely remember when episodes come out. Yeah, and... If you want to count World Trigger... I guess you could vaguely count World Trigger. Because, <laughs> like, it's it still exists. Which is a leg up on some series. Yeah, I suppose. And there's also this fucking... I have... Have you ever heard of... um, Hinomaru Zumo? I've heard the name, but I've never watched it. Yeah, it's apparently been serialized in Shonen Jump since... For like three years now. Oh, this is fucking weird. And hey, I guess you can. And hey, everybody, get look, look, get hyped for the fucking upcoming full drive anime. Probably, y'all want a dead fucking serious sports anime about ping pong? You got it, I guess. Were you interested in ping pong the animation, but it was too fucking much? Man. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> God, what the fuck is this week? 
I mean, I, I have some other stuff I can talk about. I just wanted to get this out of the way first because I don't give a shit about it. And based on my reaction, you can I'm guessing you can kind of see why. <laughs> based on the fact that the last ten minutes of conversation haven't been about it? Yes. God, like, it's... It says something when a show can't even be interestingly bad. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I almost wish it was... I don't even think it's all that bad in terms of what it's maybe conceptually it's bad just because it, I guess it might just be a taste. The problem is this kind of thing I think is more a taste thing. Like some people like this shit. I don't, I think is the big problem. And a good number of people also don't. Cause on my anime list, it's listed at a 5.23. That's so I guess I'm not the only one. Oh no, this is a like across the board, who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <sighs> so something more interesting, please, before I fall asleep. Okay. Before you fall asleep, more importantly. <laughs> Alright, so... Um, oh, uh... Daniel Coyle is fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. I, I've been meaning to watch that. And I really think you should, because it's one of those... I don't even know how to describe... Okay, so, like I said before, uh, it's a world where augmented reality is both common and, like, ridiculously well integrated into the world around us. Yeah. But... For an example on augmented reality, see that latest SAO movie piece of trash. (laughs) Oh, this is much better than SAO. (laughs) And it's also about Madhouse, actually. But, uh, unfortunately, sorry, I was, we were talking about an a, a Madhouse show earlier versus A1. I think A1 Pictures is just going to coast on SAO for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, probably. Uh, they still do good stuff, so I could, it's sort of like how I was allowing the Michael Bay Transformers movies to exist because we got good TV series and comics out of it. I'm thinking it's because I think A1 Pictures makes so much money off SAO that they can afford to do other stuff. Because a lot of A1 Pictures' other projects I actually kind of like. It's just they built it on the back of SAO. (laughs) Yeah. Look forward to the fucking new Seven Deadly Sins series and something called Darling in the Franks. Spelled F A R, yeah, F R A N K X X. That's <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Anyway, then I'm now immediately I'm now immediately merged in this because it's a co-production with Trigger. Okay. I mean, it'll be stylish at the very least. Anyway, um, so. Okay, so here's the thing that confuses me about Deno Coyle. Um, so one of the main characters who I talked with you about on um, Viber a few days ago is this old granny type person who runs a candy shop slash uh, digital AR tool store. Yeah, a Pokemon gym or whatever. Yeah. My thing is... Her existence when you think about it conceptually, confuses the hell out of me. (laughs) Okay. Because, 
I mean, she's a great character, and I love watching her. But I mean, she walks around with uh, a <laughs> she put a, a digital talisman on her uh, AR specs so that she can zap programs with a laser beam if she wants to. Sure. But here's the thing. The series establishes that this character is the only person conceivably in all of Japan, based on how little everyone else knows about it, that can act, can extract these things called metaviruses, which are capable of infecting and altering data at a conceptual level without having to break it down and destroy it first. So they can literally go in... Analyze the data, analyze a virus, remove the virus, analyze its concept specs, and then disassemble disassemble it without damaging the program it was in. And for some reason, she is only a candy shop owner in a small town that no one's heard of. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Dad. I'm going to assume that made more sense in the show. I hope so. I'm still I'm still watching my way through it. I still really like the show. It's just there's a lot of stuff I don't understand yet. Like how um, I don't know about you, but I think when AR gets to the point where computer programs can derez humans, we might have gone a step too far. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. That stops being augmented reality and just becomes reality at that point. Yeah, and of course, it being Japan, they have to make cute things scary. Um, so like, uh, so whenever a a flaw occurs in one of the augmented reality programs or in some virus or illegal program appears somewhere in the city, they release one of two things, either a globy, that's literally what the show calls them, which are these just little metal spheres that shoot laser beams at programs and can also damage human technology. I don't know why you would design a viral software that destroys everything around the virus, too. This isn't the U.S., but whatever. Wait, did it it say that the virus was specifically made in Japan? No, the viruses aren't, but the the program that is used to remove the viruses, the Globies, is. Are are the Globies, like, a new-ish thing? Because if they are, it could just be, like, a... It could just be like essentially like a AR form of chemo. Uh, that's probably the next form up, which is just called a searchy. Who the fuck named these things? Children. That makes sense. <laughs> like I can't. I think there's actual official names for them, but because the vast majority of the cast are children we hear most of the time we hear the children's nicknames for them okay yeah that that makes sense yeah and most of them are like 10 or 12 at the or at the oldest so they're not what there's not one fucker ups. in there who's like into fantasy shit and come up with better names than globy and searchy not that i've seen yet <laughs> come on some other fuck one of those one of those kids has a description to shonen jump I guarantee it. Yeah. But anyway, um, so the animation for this, despite it being a madhouse project, is not, it's not aged particularly well. It's gorgeous to look at, but like when you look at movement, it's very minimalist. 
like it's it's very cheap like character movement animation i guess to allow for all the detailed backgrounds and the ridiculously in detailed like digital program stuff you see like you see a little girl pull a fishing rod out of a pack and then a a program that looks like a like a beetroot that she calls old man that she then puts on a fishing line and sends into a data hole to retrieve a program. Cause sure. Yeah, that's that's how AR works. <laughs> but yeah, I mean the the thing about this whole series is that it's because it's so it's this way I can describe it is charming. Because the characters are all charming. I, even an annoying little girl character who goes around just saying doo-doo at everything. Like, she, her whole shtick is she points at random stuff and just says doo-doo. Because, sure. Yeah, I mean, children. <laughs> I probably did that. <laughs> so, wait, just going back to the... Was the fishing rod AR? Like, was it like a fake yes, fishing rod? Yes, yeah. Like, it, it, she literally pulled it out of a patch that was a pack that was way too small for it to really exist. And so, it's an AR program that she activated. Okay, yeah. Because I was just thinking, like, she pulls like an actual fishing rod, and then just like she's sitting, she's sitting on the fucking middle of the street, like loses the spool, and then like the fishing hook just fucking like drops two feet, hits the ground, and then she's just sitting there, just like putting more and more line out. I was like, "Yep, I'm fishing." It is what that would look like. I the like watching people do stuff in AR is kind of like the same. It kind of gives me like the same like thought in my head of like watching like very special effects heavy scenes without any special effects, like all pre work. Just, just like just like just like in Harry Potter, just like watching two people very violently point a stick at each other. No no effects or anything. Just me. I have a stick. It's imagining that, but for AR. So just walking down the street, just seeing like somebody like, oh, I've got to avoid this thing as they just like are very, very like cautiously trying to move around some giant thing. And it just looks like they're just on fucking drugs. Yep. That's the future I hope for. The future is watching a bunch of YouTube videos of dumbasses trying to fucking do something with something that isn't there. You're like, fuck, just imagine that goddamn, like, SAO movie. Just subtract everything that was implemented through VR. Or AR. Just a bunch of fucking nerds hanging out in a fucking parking lot, swinging fake sticks at each other. That'd be great. Nobody will ever do it, but that would be fucking great. It's like a fucking movie, or like some OVA thing, of just some fucking dude who is outside of all of this shit is kind of like walking walking to a parking lot and seeing all of the main fights from that fucking movie without any AR on. Will never happen, but I fucking want it. Anyway, yeah, Denno Coil. Yeah, uh, 
I will admit, this does feel like the most, re- if you can call it that, realistic version of um, this kind, This what would be this take on, this is the most realistic anime take on an augmented reality universe I think I've ever seen. <laughs> and because of that, I don't know, how do I put it? Um, I don't know where it's going to go, because usually, based on the what I've seen from the storyline details for Deno Coil. If you're playing it this realistic, I'm not sure how dark you can take it, but if they do don't do go dark, which you know, the fact that they're talking about de-resing a child within the first two episodes suggests that's probably gonna go dark. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. If that's the case, I'm curious how that's going to work out. Yeah. So, I mean, I will. I guess I'll. I guess we'll just have to see. I'm still. I'm really enjoying it. I. I love. Uh, for a physical release from someone other than Funimation, it's actually a pretty good DVD release. It comes with. And like I was telling Dead Man off mic, uh, I don't can't think of any dub releases where they keep in like helpful language notes where if there are terms from the Japanese that they have to keep in because they're not really translatable, they explain to you why they are what they are. Yeah. That's unusual like That's like some fan stuff helpful. shit. Yeah, that's unusual and kind of helpful. So yeah. Anything else then? Uh, no. Well, wait, wait, no, that's for on Dino Coil. Um, Alright, so completely switching gears let's talk about a t- uh a show called have you ever heard of skip beat maybe all right so this is a this is a shoujo rom-com series with one of the much darker premises for that kind of series i've ever seen all oh, right this thing because it starts with the premise that the main character is slaving away at so many jobs that she quits school in order to pay for her boyfriend to work as an actor. And because of that, she's, she's like, she, the only reason she doesn't resent it is because she's like, okay, well, this is for, this is for his own good and I'm helping him. So I don't mind. Then she overhears him talking at the office one day and telling his manager, oh yeah, no, I've been with several women while she's been paying my bills. I needed to focus all my time on acting. I don't give a shit. (laughs) To which Caveman's response when I was watching this with him was, every word out of this guy's mouth, I want to punch him in the face. (laughs) (laughs) And she almost does too until security pulls her out of the building and he he offhandedly says you have to get into the performance industry to have any chance of getting revenge on me, but that would never happen. <laughs> and then. next episode, next episode, um, she haunts the manager of a competing um, talent agency, and I mean literally haunts. <laughs> like when he first says no because she 
says, I just want to be a star. So it's like, okay, do you want to be on like a TV show? No, I'd have to learn skills. It's like, are you an actor? I've never really been good at it. Can you sing? Nope. And she's like, then why are you here? I want to be a star. And then he forces her to leave, at which point she then follows him home on a regular basis and haunt and mumbles curses into his house throughout the night through the intercom system. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that all tracks. I'm actually surprised she didn't say like 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 you can't do any of that. What do you what do you what are you here for then? I mean, for revenge. They'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, okay. Well, she she doesn't immediately want to tell people that re- revenge is her motive because she understands herself. If I tell people I want to get into a profession because I want to get revenge on a man, I'm gonna look really childish and stupid. Yeah, have you seen a lot of fucking like anime <laughs> idol people? They're basically five-year-olds who aren't who, who it. They're basically five-year-olds who it is like fucking socially acceptable to want to fuck. That probably came out wrong. In either case, um, she gets she does manage to get into the industry, and mainly because the main the boss is one of those talent executives who could only exist in anime where everything they do is so ridiculous. You're like, what the hell? How do you exist? (laughs) (laughs) But because of that, um, because of his, because he's so interested in all, because she shows off that she has some skills not normal skills that you would show off at a talent agency, which is like showing you have acting talent or, you know, singing or dancing or stuff like that. Yeah. No, she shows. Yeah. Her, her idea of an audition is shaving a radish and making a rose out of it. Well, I mean, like there are probably some infomercial jobs you could get. <laughs> or like production. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, but like, yeah, so, there's some fucking there is some kind of PA position she'd be able to get. <laughs> it's like, yo, fucking, we need this shit carved into fucking fancy shit. Where's the set designer? <laughs> and she comes running out into some weird like Barney esque show. I don't know. There are plenty of ways to get into the fucking showbiz. And I yeah. made myself sad saying that. Ah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> in any case um she gets that that gets her through the first audition but because she went in for acting specifically um they for the acting part of the audition they have someone they they have the cell phone where someone off screen calls them and she's they're supposed to act out the other part of a scene. Unfortunately, the scene in question is a scene where a cheating bastard calls and asks for forgiveness. Mm. And where all the other girls kind of work out what they're supposed to do in the scene. Uh, 
Her response is to threaten a thousand curses upon their soul, destroy the phone, and threaten to stab it. Which, you know, good acting for the scene, but yeah, not like a scene that... <laughs> Not what, not the reaction that they were hoping for, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, you gotta do something different. Yeah. You can't just be, you can't just be one of like the nine thousand fucking people who come in, read the line, say, "Hey, fucking frosted mini wheats, they don't taste like ass," and then just fucking leave. Yeah. So the the man the talent manager explains to her that her personality is not well suited to being an actor if she can't get her own emotions out of the way, but. Uh, because both um, the director of this talent agency and his own granddaughter, who is who's one of those characters who I like, but I really shouldn't, because it's a twisted as fuck scene where I, this little girl's crying, and all the little girl, all the other talent actresses are trying to figure out what to do. To which our main character's response is, "Hey, suck it up." <laughs> well, don't be a pussy. You're sad. Someone made you angry. Make a voodoo doll. Curse them. Anyway, I got these pins you can borrow. <laughs> anyway, um, so because these two characters, these two characters like her, they give her a chance in a new division with the unfortunately embarrassing and stupid name called the Love Me Division. Ugh. <laughs> Complete with. Bright pink, per- bright pink jumpsuit with a heart insignia and an L for love. I already want to be skinned. <laughs> and everyone who wears this costume is, of course, embarrassed by it. And what basically the love me division basically means is that you do odd jobs for various people around the agency. And they give you points. And if you get enough points, uh, our, the director has will have agreed to finance your debut and your acting lessons and all of that and throughout the series she's getting stuff like that oh god that makes me even more sad (laughs) why that's just that is putting like an actual fucking that is like the darkest shit given what's happening around here like hey you want to you want to have a fucking career just like stay in the corner while I jerk off into this plant no, it's it's not stuff like that. They never go that direction, thank God. At least they haven't yet. Yeah, but it, it's there. I know, I, I know. I know it's there. But quite frankly, there's dark shit elsewhere that's never really dealt with, or at least not convincingly dealt with, like how the main character is 16, and it, the manager points out, uh, so do you need... You're, you're still technically considered a minor under Japanese law, so you can't enter this job without parental permission. So what about your parents? To which she responded, uh, My dad's dead, and I haven't seen my mom since I was seven years old. Right, well, fuck it. If they ain't around, they can't complain. <laughs> that basically, at least up to this point that I've read and seen, has been the case. But, I mean, and... It's worth mentioning that the main character has sort of sort of grows to love acting as a career outside outside of why she got into it and her, her some of her best moments are when her spite for the for the douchebag X is not controlling her actions 
And they often visualize this in the manga and the anime by her by showing her darker and nicer impulses fighting against each other. So it's like an inner Sakura kind of thing? Kind of, yeah. Although you know everyone, from Boruto's dad? Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, For the folks at home who don't know? Yeah, although it was, usually, I don't remember any of this scenario happening with Sakura, but usually when uh, the main character's name is Kyoko, I've forgotten, I had said nothing about it up to this point. When Kyoko's dark side comes over, people visibly see or feel her curses affecting them. So I don't know if she actually has evil powers, but the show seems to imply that she does. That'd be a nice twist, like some kind of samurai flamenco <laughs> kind of thing. Oh God, no! Of just just like the entire, just like half the series is just like, hey, yeah, things are normal as is, and then all of a sudden, like, hey, Kyoko's actually a fucking demon god. <laughs> I hope they don't go that direction. From from what I from uh, what I've seen of from what I like read up on this while we were talking, they're not, they're not, they're not. It's not going to be a samurai flamenco thing. There's going to be no guillotine gorilla. Yeah, but anyway, um, how to describe it? Um, God, flamenco is so fucking weird. Well, yeah, the flamenco jumped the shark. Like more than any other series I have ever seen, flamenco jumped the shark. <laughs> yeah, fuck, man. But anyway, um, and fuck, yeah, fucking Canadian shitbag. So- Canadian shitbag Jeff Thu actually just recommended that if you were like, hey, are you a fan of fucking Hiroaka and One Punch Man, but don't, don't want to wait for the other seasons? Fucking watch Flamenco. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> or hey, you into pun- or hey, you want to watch Punchline? Punchline, I'm more willing to forgive because Punchline starts off random and stays random. Flamenco just goes crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I've watched the first episode, and I was like, eh, this isn't for me. And then I fucking saw, like, a thing on Japanator of, like, all right, so here's a recap. Like, Jap- back when Japanator actually, like, you know, wrote things. They were, they were like, all right, yeah, so here's the fucking, here's a recap of episode seven. What? Ah, oh, man, that's just, I kind of just want to, like, go back and just, like, actually give another shot. Just, like, see what happens. It like now that I know, turns, it turns into a satire of Power Rangers. Yeah, like I've, I think I've enjoyed those before. It depends, mainly on the writing, but it depends. Fuck, I think I wrote one of those before. Yeah, probably. But anyway, um, so after, strangely, the thing about this series that is amusing to me is that, um. It is a rom-com, so there are romantic interests, both the douchebag ex and the top actor at the main character's uh, talent agency, uh, Ren, I think is his name, who I I don't really like either of them, but it's kind of for different reasons, because on the, on the, in the case of Ren, of, uh, I mean, her ex, I explained to you why he's an asshole. Yeah, the prologue is the reason. <laughs> In the case of Ren, he's one of those characters that is so kind of not well, in, not clear on his own emotions, and because of that, it leads to scenes where how, how do I describe it? Um, 
he's far more likely to smile if he wants to be a douchebag than if he wants to help you. Huh? So, like, okay, so he he smiles all the time. But all the characters in the show seem to have come to the conclusion that if he's smiling the most, if he's really, if he like a, has a really, really big smile, then it's because he's insincere and he's being a dick. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Why? I'm still not entirely clear. Like, there's parts of the show that I don't really understand conceptually. But, I mean, I'd have to get farther in to see. But it seems to be that, like, in the... More than anything else, the fact that the main character... He finds out earlier than anyone that the main character is involved in this kind of shit because of spite. And because he takes his career so seriously, he seems to not like the main character initially because of that. Well, yeah, but fair. Even, but even then, after a certain point, it's just like, well, dude, now you're just you're still just being a dick. <laughs> like <laughs> now you're not even smiling you know about it. Kind of... Actually, that's the thing he. What's funny is his own when he's too emotional, it's actually worse because if he's too emotional, like when yeah, he's a role of interest, so he becomes infatuated with the main character. But Natch. she, having had very bad luck with men, is not really in much of a mood to do that kind of stuff. <laughs> like she has no interest in being emotionally involved with another man ever because of what happened with her first boyfriend. That's fair. So. Because of that, because it only because to her it doesn't make sense for any guy, particularly a guy who has this many women on him at all times, to be interested in her. She constantly deflects to the "I'm doing this for my job" or "Your boss asked me to help you with this," and that just makes him angrier. So he just becomes more of a dick to her. <laughs> I'm not sure that makes sense. No, yeah, it does. And I'm not sure if my sarcasm will get across, but I'm really looking forward to watching this show. <laughs> yeah, well, to be fair, I don't think it's worth... the. Sh you, you could read the manga, I think, but I don't think the show is worth watching because I'm pretty damn sure it was canceled. Like, it has all the signs of a show that was canceled and just never got completed because it switches to a new title sequence five episodes before the end. <laughs> That's usually not a good sign. Yeah. And also, after setting up this situation where the main characters have to deal with this complicated or the main the both the main love the main character and the love interest have to deal with this very complicated acting job, it literally just stops. At the point where a conclusion could have happened. <laughs> like, it sets up what would probably be the conclusion of a story. Just as, eh. Wow, yeah, that's fucking... Wow. 
And this is also kind of fucking weird. So the people that licensed the series to give it a North American release funded that release through Kickstarter. Yeah. I mean that okay, so that's for the that's for the physical release. The the um So the original series was aired by TV Tokyo. Uh-huh. And it there's nothing really wrong with the original series. It's fine. Um the main difference is that I guess because it was canceled and partially because I guess if they just didn't find any, I guess it didn't find a big enough audience in the States. There was never, it was because the series releases in like two, the, the Japanese series was released in like 2008, but it didn't get a physical release in the States until this year. Okay. And also another weird thing, um, they're listing the voice actors as stretch goals. Yeah. I know what they mean because I have the physical release. I got it so a friend could share it with me. But uh yeah. The thing about the, the, the thing about this release is that it was based it was because it was done on Kickstarter and it got a lot of money, so there must be a at least a somewhat decent following for this series in the states if it got as much kick fun- kickstarter funding as it did but but basically the, the voice actors being stretch goals what that means is like full dubs also for like commentary type stuff where they added that not not for like just the basic recording but for like stuff about these characters hell the director was a stretch goal yeah, and that's talking. And they because they also recorded um, Japanese director and voice actor commentaries for that. I have that on the disc, so they did get a lot of stuff out of it. But yeah, I get the impression that it, at least in Japan, it wasn't as popular. Maybe because over here, according to my anime list, it currently has a score of eight point two five, ranked number two hundred and seventy. No, it is very good. I didn't say... I, I never thought it wasn't at least good. And a popularity number 452. No... No out of what, so that number is meaningless. Jesus Christ. Yeah. But, I mean, I enjoy the series, but at the... And, Okay, so who else? Is, I guess there's uh, the only other character that I guess that's worth mentioning is uh, this actor who was with um, the main character Kyoko at her uh, audition. She didn't end up do. She ended up doing better in the initial run, but she also got rejected in after the second round of auditions. But she considers herself a much better um, actress than Kyoko, so she's kind of stupefied that she ends up in the same bullshit love me section as Kyoko. <laughs> but it kind of works out for the both of them because this being one of those series where you have A and B type personalities, their char- their characteristics balance each other pretty well, so they both improve as a result. And also 
at least in terms of what the anime covers, because the anime definitely does not cover them all, the manga. It covers, like, the first 60 chapters. My favorite part of the anime is when she takes a role where she has to act in a music video alongside her ex, and the role specifically calls for her to strangle the guy in question because she's sleeping with a friend of hers. Noise. And the weird direction the series decides to go with it in that case is just to go, hey, um, we need you to not make it look like you're just trying to kill him. <laughs> oh, But I wanna. Yeah. It... And, but... It... And the weird, and the reason I brought up her friend, I can't remember her name, is that what she ends up having to do to figure out how to do this is trying to figure out. She basically puts herself in the role that she was playing in the music video, and her friend in the role of the other character who she's supposed to be saving from this evil person that she's strangling. And so they play out how this would play out emotionally between them, and she uses that to inform her performance, <laughs> which. I know it's complicated and talking about stuff like this on a podcast doesn't really help that much, but I enjoy it. I don't think you will, but I enjoy it. Alrighty. All right. So talk about stuff that you might find more interesting, switching to manga. Um, Monster arms dealer. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So only one chapter of this out so far. But uh, basically what the chapter is, is that, um, so this appears to be a world where people go to school to learn how to use alchemy, basically, to, or enchanting to basically turn into artificers, to merge uh, artifacts and pieces of various monsters into new weapons to be used against monsters. Oh, well, this came out today. Yeah, I just read it. <laughs> but, um... Because of that, and so this girl that I guess is going to be the audience surrogate for this one, she uh, ends up at this rather rundown place that she doesn't know that much about, but the guy is kind of a whack job in that he never takes off this weird crow mask when he's working, even when he's not working, and also... um, (laughs) How do I say this? Uh, so this this character, I, I, I guess, must be fairly well uh, thought of in her in her school because she gets all. She's like, I got this rare ingredient as like a present for graduating from my teachers, but uh, it. But when I used it, uh, but when she she brought it to um, the teacher, apparently the teachers just had no idea what it was. So they just like, eh, we'll give it to you as a present. You maybe find someone to figure out what it is. But like the tool she got that got her all those awards for, to get her stuff like that. Uh, the, her, her new boss looks at it and says, no, this is shit. Just throw it away. <laughs> but luckily I guess the, um, random thing she found that no one knew what it was her boss knew what it was immediately, it being the heart of something called a fire rat, which he turned into a miniature flamethrower. 
sick. Yeah, I'd, I'd want one. Yeah. And it's, it seems like the... Uh, it seems like the plot of this series is going to be revolve around um, what do you call it? Oh, the I feel like I've seen this archetype before. I just can't remember what it was. Where uh, I think so the art the 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 uh, master artificer that our main character goes to work for is named Tell, and apparently his boss or his master was killed, and most of the weapons he built were stolen. And somehow that means he can't really get work as an artificer anymore. I don't know how that works. I'm trying to imagine a world where a blacksmith's apprentice can't get work because his master had his work stolen and was killed by it. <laughs> yeah, that's... Ju- I-, <laughs> I don't know how that works. <laughs> I feel like there's some kind of like... That's like a lawsuit waiting to happen. <laughs> And it probably will, but I mean, uh, the only other thing that really happens in this chapter is that the 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 main our main character girl is confused as to why the Tell refuses to give a artifact a a I guess they call them uh, what do they call them uh, armaments they call them armaments uh, to this guy whose family got killed by what they think is a monster. And she's like, sorry, I got to... And he says, sorry, I have to be somewhat uh, exacting about my clientele. And they go on to prove this, both with his backstory, but also um, with the fact that it turns out that what's been killing people around town is not a monster, but a guy who who got armaments that allowed him to fake monster attacks in order to kill people because he was bored. Sure, I mean... I've heard worse reasons to start murder sprees. <laughs> yeah, I, I. So far, it's not. Th- this series is kind of blah. But again, one chapter, it's hard to tell. Yeah, but it could be good. Uh, the art style kind of reminds me of what's that sh- series you watch? You read Witch Hunter. Yeah. That's kind of what it reminds me of. I could be wrong about that, but that's what it most reminds me of. But no, um, looking, at, looking at it, I can see where I can see where it's coming from, but it's a bit harsher. Yeah, I guess. I don't know how else to describe it though. So, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I think it's worth a read. Okay. All right, and I thought and just 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 for. Just for reference, the guy who wrote it, um, Tanizaki Shuhei, this is his first series. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, um, Shokugeki no Somo's writer, that was the first series he did that wasn't just a doujinshi. So, you know, good for him. Yeah. And I guess Black Clover's writer must be talented at writing tropes. Yeah, like I said, it is the most shonen-ass thing you've ever seen. It's just unfortunate that Piero made it worse. Well, yeah, they took something that was mediocre and made it actively bad. <laughs> yeah, like it is. Like one one of the best things that fucking uh, Black Clover is going for is its pacing in the manga because the fucking manga it just fucking moves. <laughs> pacing—that's not something a show needs. <laughs> 
Ugh. Yeah, pacing is something writers do. We're not writers, we're animators. Uh, but anyway, I I think it's, I mean, so yeah, anyway, on to you. All right, then. So I'll start with the biggest thing that I have the least to say about. Uh, Muji Rushi. This is a new series from a from a small writer. You might you might not have heard of him. Um, Naoki motherfucking Urasawa. Never heard of him. Yeah, I know. He's, he's a bit underground. <laughs> this is a new series of his. Um, one chapter of it out so far. It is... It's a Naoki Urasawa version of Osamatsu. So it's a Naoki Urasawa random comedy? I don't know. Like, it's the weirdest fucking thing. Like, you... Like, like the, like the beginning of it is about, like, this fucking girl who... Like, this girl, um, who... Like, this young child who's, like, dad is a shitbag because he keeps getting the worst things in life happen to him. Like, like he's working in the fucking factory, then the factory shuts down. Or, or, like, it loses all this fucking business. And then his wife leaves him for somebody else. And then he ends up getting in business with these guys who make a bunch of fucking... Like, like there's a female Donald Trump in this. Like, literally looks like Donald Trump or just acts like Donald Trump? It is Donald Trump. But with makeup. More okay. makeup. Well, different makeup. Different color makeup? Yeah, there's no color in this, so... Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, you, I think uh, most animes you can st- and manga, you can still kind of tell if something is supposed to be a darker shade or a lighter shade. Ah, uh, there wasn't any of that. It was just, like, regular lady makeup. Okay. Yeah, and so then a bunch of guys work, a bunch of guys hanging out at the bar talking to this girl's dad are like, hey, let's, hey, like, I got an idea. You have a factory, right? Let's fucking make a bunch of these, like, dumb Trump masks, and then we'll fucking sell them. It'll be a riot. Then she wins the presidency. And so the people who paid him for the order, so the people who like ordered all the masks, aren't going to pay him. Because like, yeah, I mean, it was a, I mean, it was funny when she was just a candidate. Now she's fucking the president. It's not funny anymore. So he is out thousands of thousands of dollars. And then one day he finds a little, and one day he gets like a little fucking card that has these that has this weird like design on it, like this little. Um, this little like rhombus with like three lines through it, so it's like three segmented rhombuses put together. And it's like, hey, find, follow this to find happiness. And so he begins following this symbol around, and then it eventually leads him to Iyami, one of the main characters from Otsumatsu-kun. Okay. Who's just there? Okay. And, sure. and that's the first chapter. I. You see what I mean by like it's the biggest deal, but like but that I had the least to say about it, right? Because I don't, I don't know what this is. It's too early to know if this is a Pluto kind of thing. Because so far, I haven't found any information that this is that, that is that this is like, hey, it's a fucking Nakirasawa's take on Osamatsu. I'm not able to find any of that. It's just describing. Let me actually see if I can pull up a fucking plot description of this thing. Yeah, Mujuruji. Description, not available. So based on what you know about the series, it's probably unlikely that it will ever make sense. 
No, I. it might. That's the thing. I don't know. I don't have enough information about this to actually give an opinion about it. Yeah, well, sometimes that's a bad thing. Sometimes it isn't. I don't know if this is one of those times. <sighs> like I said, it's one chapter. There's at least like over a week ago. So for all I know, this is a one shot and it just fucking ends. Yeah, Mujirushi. It's new. It's new Urasawa. So I'm gonna be fucking following it. Yeah, figured as much. Yeah. So moving on to another lesser known writer. Uh, this he's written a couple things, but you know he's a bit still a bit underground. Um, Oshimi Shuzo. Uh, he he, I he did something. Remember that? Yeah, he wrote a couple things you might have heard of, like uh, Flowers of Evil. Right. And happiness. And a trail of blood. So we're not in for good times, are we? No. Because for one thing, I read, I started reading Flowers of Evil. Yeah, that's got to be fun for you. Which just like, dude. Like, I love this guy, but like, fuck me. Oh, that's what happens. That's what that show, that's what reading that will do to you. <laughs> And then I also read I'm in Mari, which is the far more interesting version, which is the far more interesting story of his. Like, this is. So I'm in Mari is a deconstruction of the gender of the gender swap body swap story. Okay, deconstruction is always a series a concept I'm torn on. Sometimes it can work. Sometimes it produces shit like Evangelion. So I'm going to be getting into spoilers for this, so if you don't want spoilers, just let you know. Alright, well, i got to go get something anyway, so you talk for a few minutes. Okay. So, I'm in Mari is... At the end of it is revealed that the actual fucking like body swap thing never happened. Our main character is just insane. Like, when, when she was very young, uh, our main character, Mari, had a different name, Fumiko. And her mom, and after her grandma died, uh, her mom's like, hey, your name's Mari now. Get used to it, fucker. And then that caused, like, horrible shit to happen to her. And, like, because, like, some fucking pre-existing thing, because I think that's how it works, she developed horrible identity disorders. And it was just, like, everything's super fucked and nothing is real until she sees the guy who ends up swap, who ends up swapping bodies. Uh, he just spends his days, he's some neat asshole, like, Harvest like fucking siphoning his parents' money and hanging out, just fucking playing video games and masturbating. And she's like, "Fuck yeah, this is awesome!" So she just fucking stalks him forever, goes into his place, reads his journal, and then develops a new personality that is her own construction of this person. So it is. So the main character that we're following is a psychological construct of a person that was built off of reading their diary. And then from there, just kind of go. And then like, we don't, and we don't learn that until like the end of the series. And then leading up to that, it's just like super fucked up shit of this person. Just like almost destroying this girl's life and building new weird codependent friendships and like kind of lesbian kind of not relationships with this other woman who is 
who is in love with both the guy in the girl and the girl the guy's inside of. This book is insane. And I kind of love it. I think this might be like my favorite Oshimi Shuzo fucking thing. Like it was like up to that ending. It was like I think like right below happiness for me. Because like happiness I really dig. I really dig the I'm, – I'm really, I'm really into like their whole – like his whole fucking like let the right one in story and then having it jump forward and focus on a new character. That was a that was a really smart move for that book, and it's really kept me going on it. And like up to the point where we learn what the actual deal is, I found it really interesting. I found it all. I found it really cool. Just kind of this like this this pretty all right uh, story of just hey, this is kind of fucked up. What's happening? Like a like a person who has never gone through a period before, going through one and then just like and the fuck him peeing. Him peeing was this like super fucked up thing where like he just didn't understand what his body was doing. And it was like super disconcerting for him. And it was really fucking cool. But then once we got to that ending and the reveal happened, now that Birdie's back, I will not say the reveal. Yeah, once that happened, that the thing just fucking jumped up to a whole other level for me. So yeah, okay. I know I, I know I probably fucked up. Like, even if you know, even if you know the ending, I feel like you can still get a decent. I still like you can. I still feel like you can enjoy. I'm in Mari. Even knowing the twist. But if you but if you if you skipped over all that, just to like get like a final opinion thing, I would really recommend I'm in Mari. It's a fairly short series. I think it's like I think it's like less than sixty chapters. Like the relatively long chapter because it's like a seinen series, but still, yeah, this is a fucking good book. Yeah, well, sixty chapters doesn't sound like a lot, but it's an Oshimi Shuzo series, so it's kind of a long read, even if it isn't too many chapters. Yeah, and then fucking Flowers of Evil, just Jesus Christ. Did you reach the end of that one? No, I'm still when they're in high school. Oh, you're gonna love the ending. <laughs> I yeah fuck dude Jesus Christ <laughs> like I read like that was his take on like weird love triangle things for like in like fucking high school manga god damn dude yeah it's a weird rom- it's a weird rom-com thing if at least one or two of the characters are psychopaths <laughs> yeah and yeah. <laughs> Fuck me. Anyway. So so Dead Man has found his new muse. Kind of? A mer- a, his his ideal style is a merger of Oshimi Shuzo and Naoki Urasawa. Yeah, just like the fucking labyrinthine stories of Urasawa with the with the don't give a fuck nature towards existence of Shuzo. Yeah, if you want like 
concentrated season three of Rick and Morty nihilism, read Shuzo Oshimi. Yeah, yeah, to- totally. He will, he will get you there. But but actually, there is a, there was a really weird bit. It was like a little like um authors kind of thing. Like you know how sometimes authors will put in like small mini comics after like a chapter or something of just some of like their artist representation of themselves talking to the audience. Vaguely, yes. So after that, at the end of the first chapter of I'm in Mari, he did one of those talking about how he wants to be a he he kind of wants to be a woman. But like, not in the point of not in the idea of like, oh hey, I was a guy, but now I'm a woman. He wants to have been like born and raised a woman because he believes like that experience is half of the world. And I don't mean like, oh yeah, half the population is women. No, he think no, he believes that like in order to experience all the world has to offer, you need to experience like as a man, you as a man or even as a woman, you're only experiencing one half of the entirety of existence. Okay. Um, Shuzo gets weird, dude. Yeah, I know. I really don't know what to say to that. <laughs> and speaking of existential dread, let's talk about To Your Eternity. Alternatively known as To You, The Immortal. A series from the creator of A Silent Voice. I find this infinitely more interesting than a silent voice. So okay. for those who don't remember, I talked about um a I talked about a silent voice a little while back. It was about a kid who bullied a deaf girl in high school, <laughs> a bull- bullied a deaf girl in grade school, then meets her again in high school and they start forming a relationship and it never gets there. This one is uh so to you to you the immortal is about a godlike entity dropping a pearl onto the planet, onto a version of the planet Earth, and the pearl just kind of absorbs anything that leaves an impression on it. So it just becomes a so it just becomes a secondary thing. So like it starts out, he drops the pearl, it lands on a rock, it becomes the rock. Then the rock begins to grow moss, so it becomes the moss. Then the moss leaves the rock and it finds a wounded wolf, so it becomes the wolf. Okay. It, ter- it then turns out that the wolf is being is the pet of a boy who lives in an abandoned Arctic village. The boy then gets horribly wounded, gets a fucking like gets like a big gash in his leg that gets horribly infected, and he dies of infection. So so the wolf becomes the boy. And anytime anytime uh, this anytime this guy is just like fucking destroyed or wounded at all, he just reverts back to his who is like fucking. He reverts back to his default settings for the form that he's in. So he is immortal. And it is just about him existing. And trying to figure out what existing is. Well, that sounds like... I want to say fun, but I'm not sure that's the right word. It gets better. Because at a certain point, they jump forward in time, and he actually, like, is now cognizant of himself and people around him. And he learns that, and he learns that, like, what impression means is that for any living thing, when they die, he gets them. So he had a kid. So he had, like, a a buddy who he grew up with. The buddy didn't have a face because his head was crushed by a log. 
and then a guy, and the guy who saved his life put in a artificial bladder inside of his stomach that so that he could generate alcohol. And he uses that to breathe fire. Okay. The buddy then dies. And now, and then, the buddy then dies, and then the immortal becomes his buddy. And then he real, and then he's, and he's like, fuck, shit, my buddy's dead. Everything's horrible. And the actual plot of the thing is, um, like, the supposed actual plot of the thing is that there are these creatures called knockers that exist and are, like, doing like, some kind of horrible thing to the planet or something, and it is up to the immortal to kill them. If the immortal is like, if the immortal in any of his forms is pierced by the knockers, he loses that form as well as all of the memories associated with that form. Okay. So, so like, so like the forms that he has are like a rock, moss, the dog, um, a giant bear, um, a small ten-year-old child who. Died and he is and had said like, "Hey, I'm going to be your mom now because that this was back when he was like dumb and essentially a dog in person form." Uh, his buddy and somebody else from the village where that small child was from. And see, so he has all he has all these memories of these people, and that's like that's that's basically how he that that is that is that is that gives him existence that gives him like you know a purpose and like fucking. Stuff that I am way too stupid to actually properly articulate. And yeah, so it's just, hey, you have to fight these things. And if you do, you could potentially lose all of your reason for existing and the things that made you who you are. You creature suffering through an existential crisis. Oh, I really like this. I really like this fucking book. It has, it has like, it is, is the same quality of art that you got from a silent voice, but there's a lot more inventiveness or like, there's a lot more interesting things behind it because it is her own, I believe it, I believe it's a woman who wrote this. Let me, let me just double check. So I'm not just saying, oh yeah, a lady wrote this thing. Cause like, fuck, that makes sense. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So from Yoshitoki Oima. Yes. A lady. Awesome. So yeah, it's like this full fucking fantasy world that she made, that she created, and it is it's it's not it's nothing like super fucking special, but like seeing it realized through her artwork, her very her very like not flashy artwork works surprisingly well for a lot of the action scenes in this. Okay, like like for those who've read for those who've read fucking a silent voice, you know that it's not exactly the most fucking. It's a very good art style for this type of story they were telling. It wasn't. It didn't seem like there was a whole lot of like, there wasn't a whole lot of action beats in it. It wasn't a whole lot of like big fucking spectacle shit. So seeing that same art style render a giant horned, bleeding eyed bear and do that well, I was really impressed. So yeah, to you, the immortal, if you are into existential dread. Fucking this one's for you. So let's get off that. Let's get off that fucking train. Well, we still have time, I guess. 
Let's talk about Satanofani. I probably pronounced that wrong, but who gives a fuck? So this is a series from the creator of Cage of Eden. So it's insane. Yes. But, like, even more so. Because I feel like this guy accidentally made a bitch planet. Like, he accidentally made a series much like Bitch Planet? Yeah, same kind of commentary and same kind of, like, idea behind it. So in this series, whose name I'll never try to I'll never try to say again, there is a virus out there where teenage girls will randomly become murderers. Just like whatever, they'll just all of a sudden snap and then just go into horrible, violent, brutal murder sprees. The most recent one was about to be raped. So she killed five people. And was then arrested. And sent to this big fancy high-tech prison. That holds seven other people. Turns out the prison, shockingly enough, isn't on the up-and-up. And is being used as an experiment, is being used as testing grounds for some reason. They talk about mirror neurons, some fucking weird brain thing that lets you, like, empathize with somebody in a movie. That make, okay. that make you, that make people who suffer from the, this disease manifest a secondary murderer personality. Yeah, this sounds like the Cage of Eden writer. Yeah, so every night, these girls wake up, put on costumes that are given to them. All of them basically fetish outfits. Again, also, I think the writer of Cage of Eden is also the the artist. So, again, not surprising. Yeah, no, he the Cage of Eden, Cage of Eden, Deathtopia. They they'll give you an idea. But like crank yeah, it up to eleven. Particularly Deathtopia. They have a girl try to be sexy while she has a slit from a, fl- a fish flaying knife from her sternum to her chest. Yup. It's like freezing, but with less subtlety. In less sense, if that's <laughs> possible. Fuck man, yeah. But anyway, yeah, so all the girls are, like, let out, get put on their fucking serial killer persona, and go and fight each other. To the death. This sounds like a dumber version of Dead Man Wonderland. It is. <laughs> it is insanely dumber, because they don't even have powers. They're just murderers. And by the transitive property, I mean, like, by, I mean, sorry, by, like, the property of its fiction, murderer means basically a superhuman? Ah, uh, killer powers, of course. Yeah. Like, one person, she just punches people. But she punches people so hard, their, like, face caves in, like their nose just ate like a Sour Patch Kid? That makes sense? Kind of. Yeah, you have another person who, like, grips out people's eyeballs. You have one person who just has whips. 
Another one is like another one is Russian. So she dresses like a Russian person because of course she does, and just has like knives falling out of her butthole. And then our main character is just she she kills, I guess. Like they're treating her like she's the fucking like murderer messiah, but she's done nothing to show that. Oh yeah, also the guy also like anytime like so yeah, like this happens and every night every night after this happens their memories are erased and or or if they if they weren't like activated in their serial killer persona, their memories are erased. If they were activated, they don't remember anything anything from the night anyway. So it is these like eight girls living in this prison where where they are trying to solve a mystery of what's wrong with this prison while being implicitly involved in what's wrong with this prison. Okay. Also, the warden's like a rapist. Well, of course, it's a it's a Cage of Eden type series. Yeah, like the like uh the like. Like one of the characters, uh, she she was involved in the she was involved in the first murder match that our main character was a part of. Uh, she got got like not dead, but like really badly hurt. So she's in the infirmary in a coma. And the warden walks in, just like strips her down, starts sucking her tits, jerks himself off with her own hand, and, like fucking just jizzes all over. On panel, like not in blind, like straight up shown. And so you see what I mean by like an accidental bitch planet. Yeah. Like whereas bitch planet that Kelisudaconic kind of set out to make that idea. Yeah, like like bitch the, planet the, the, is very much like hey, this person has something they want to say with this series and they're going to get it across by like being a smart writer and like doing all this shit and setting up this world. You know, this guy set up this world in what I in what I am almost certain he believes is a really cool and interesting way. But not for the reasons that he that it should be. It's like, it's like oh yeah, they're gonna get their tits out and they're gonna fucking go murder each other. That's like he's fucking sitting there like jacking off with one hand while his pens in the other fucking draw on this shit. Yeah, that's the same mindset as the guy who made uh High School of the Dead. Yeah. It sure it makes I'm sure it makes sense to someone, just you know, not us. Yeah. And it disgusts me to say this, but I'm probably gonna end up reading all of it. I mean, I read all of Deathtopia, and when I got to the end of it, I was like, this makes no sense. What the hell is happening? Yeah, Deathtopia is God, it's dumb. Yeah. It is like terrible. I watched it. I read it end to end, and I still don't entirely know what happened. Yeah, me either. Just like they were, like they were in the middle of like what I what I assumed was like the big final climax, and they just jumps ahead like a year and a half, and is like, all right, yeah, these guys go do whatever. Bye. Yeah, like like literally in like the span of three chapters, the guy we thought was the villain was like, oh no, I was prepping you for the real villain. It's this guy. Bye. And is the villain like his mom? Who's like no, the villain soup- is. His- his mom is not the villain. She's a byproduct of the villain's plan. The villain being his uncle. How does this guy keep getting serialized? 
Tits? <laughs> like, Cage of Eden, it at least had an idea. Like, it, yeah, had, it, had-, it had, like, hey, this is a straight up, like, like Cage of Eden. A bunch of fucking high school students go- doing Lord of the Flies on an island full of dinosaurs. That's an idea. Execution-wise, it turned into Lost. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. It had the same idea and execution as Lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just straight up like Lost with more tits. <laughs> but again, that is that's an idea. But apparently, that was a spinoff of Deathtopia, which that doesn't make any fucking sense. Ugh, fuck. Anyway, moving on. Let's talk about something fucking cute, kind of. Somali and the forest spirit. I am not familiar with this at all. Yeah, so in this world, there there are all kinds of fantasy creatures like fucking kobolds and dragons and all the other weird shit. And there were once humans. They all used to live like in relative harmony. And then the monsters and humans went to war. And the humans lost. And they lost hard. And now it is to the point where humans are almost extinct. Okay. Any human that is left is incredibly rare and is usually sold into slavery or just killed and harvested. And among the creatures in this world are golems. Essentially bioorganic robots that work as guardians of the forest. One golem left his forest in a quest to try to find try to find more humans because he found a human. Her name is Somali and she's like five. So she calls she calls this golem father and she walks around at all times with a hood that has two horns on it so that people think she's a minotaur. Because again the human child, okay. she's going to get got. And yeah, so the series is about this golem and this girl traversing across this world, trying to find more humans. Okay. And it's it's pretty good. Like, art-wise, it is fucking good. Like, this... I'm not sure who the artist is in this or the writer because I don't want to look it up. But they're able to put, like, just a stupid amount of detail into this shit. Like, this is a very... This is a very realized world through the artwork. Like, even just like a... Even just like them walking through the forest, this guy goes out of his way to, like, do very detailed backgrounds. And that detail also, like, goes forward to the characters, too. Like, there is a... There's a stupid amount of detail on this golem, and... It works. This fucking art style is... I fucking love it. And writing-wise, it is getting a bit repetitive. Like, like, like the golem is... The golems are supposed to be like these weird emotionless creatures. And here he is raising this kid. And, like, the kind of like... The kind of like button on every chapter is just like, Hey, you fucking love this kid, don't you? I don't know what you're talking about. Golems don't love. <laughs> yeah, you do. That's been the thing for like like three or four arcs in a row now. 
It seems like it seems like at this point they are getting more into like him accepting the fact that he actually has emotions and stuff. Yeah, it's okay. just a it's just, it's just a very simple kind of cute series. Like not like Moe cute like like closer to like a closer to like a Usagi drop kind of thing. And it was like, yeah, this child, she's fucking adorable. And it's about her burgeoning relationship with a fucking robot who has like weird de- who has like this weird fucking eye of Sauron thing going on. It looks fucking cool as hell. But yeah, and and what's also good about it is the art is the writer they did a really good job of like setting an end point for the series. Because golems have a predetermined time to live. They live a thousand years. This okay. golem has been allowed has been around for 900, nine, 995 years. So he has five oh. years. So and so he is already beginning to deteriorate. So he has like essentially less than five years to find more humans to give to give this human girl to, so that she doesn't fucking get horribly murdered. It is a okay. good. It is a decent endpoint with a ticking clock that has an emotional weight behind it. Well, presumably an emotional weight as you fucking follow these characters and develop early and like get attached to them. I know it's like a small thing, but or like a small thing for some people, but like that is a fairly important thing for me. Like series series do get a very good like series like this do get a very like they get major points toward it if there is like a defined end goal. Okay. Like, I would not be into the series if it was just, hey, Golem and girl, walk around. Do whatevs. Just like, fuck it. Uh, speaking of that, uh, Yotsubato. I think I'm vaguely familiar with this series, but I don't know. I can't be certain. It's about a tiny green-haired girl who's super fucking hyper about everything. It's usually it's, the name's usually written as um, Yotsuba Ampersand. Okay, but apparently the ampersand is supposed to be read as toe. Yeah, this is this is what this is the thing I'm. This is like the kind of story I was talking about earlier of just, hey, here's this cute girl. Watch her do cute things. It's funny, right? We can we can carry this on for. Like fucking five Decades. years. Yeah. Well, that's the same reason I think I I, I reacted the way I did to um. God, I already can't remember the name of it. Uh, Urahara. 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 Yeah. Because Jesus, the, throughout the entire series, throughout the entire episode, it's just these little girls just reacting unconvincingly. It's like where the aliens invade and start stealing. Precious World monuments, and then the best they can come up with is, if it's an alien invasion, maybe they're celebrating Independence Day. <laughs> I get fucked. <laughs> yeah, like I read like five chapters of it, and like I could see people getting into that. I can't because there isn't plot. I need like yeah, like I need a story. Yeah, I think like more than any other concept. This series, series like this, of don't appeal to me because 
they don't give me anything really plot-wise or, in most cases, really strong character-wise to work with. Yeah, like in this, in this, in from what I read of uh, Yotsuba, most of the characters were just very nondescript, except for Yotsuba, who was super excitable and super down for anything. Okay, sure, whatever. Yeah, pretty much. Moving on. Uramikoi Koi Uramikoi. It's... That means nothing to me. As it shouldn't. Uh, it's basically a supernatural star-crossed lovers kind of thing. Okay. Like there, Like, there is a backstory to this, but it is a fucking dense backstory that I do not want to get into. But I'll say this, I like it. Like, I I can always go for a decent romance series, and this is doing all right. It also got major points for me because the main character, because the main character, like, like, the main character, he is the, like, he's, like, the eldest son of a ruling family in this city, and the, and the head of the family has mind control powers. So he oh, got the... So, fun. Yeah, so he, so he, so the powers are passed on from that from the head from head from head of the family to the head of the family. Uh, his grandpa passed them on to his dad. His dad then was almost murdered, and so he passed it on to the kid. But our main character couldn't use them, so they were then given back to the grandpa, who despises the main character. Oh, good. Don't worry, he dies. And the mind control powers are given to a small child. Who loves the main character because they're brother and sister? Yeah, like the thing that kind of like initially got me, initially got me like kind of going for it was in the opening chapter. He actually had the mind control power, but he refused to use it because he saw the power as inherently evil. I'm like, uh, what was that series where a guy used essentially his ability to manipulate reality and everyone in it to his own benefit? Uh. Code Geass. No, uh, that's a good series. <laughs> um, fuck, it's gonna bug me. I'll I'll look for it. Uh, you keep talking. Okay, yeah, I I just I just I hate mind control powers, like mind like telepathy and mind no. control shit. Yeah, you, I think you went off on this at one point where you're just like, I don't care if you say you're a good person. If you have mind control powers, you're inherently evil. I think is what yeah. your exact words. And that statement has been kept true from everything that I've read and watched. Y'all watch The Gifted? That X-Men uh, show on Fox? I think I've seen bits and pieces of it. So for starters, it's actually pretty solid. Just check it out. And another thing, there's a character in there who implants memories in people. And the first fucking time we see her use that power is when she forcibly implants a memory of Blink being in love with a guy so that she'll be able to use her powers. And I'm like, oh, I already despise you. And people intermittently seem to treat this like it's a big deal. 
Like at one fucking point, one of the episodes, fucking Blink walks up to this woman and says, hi, you forced a memory onto me that I don't want of being in love with a person that I just met. I'm sorry I'm mad at you about that. Just like, Jesus Christ. Just like, fuck you. But anyway, yeah, like worldwide, I worldwide, I think this series is all right. Like the world is a bit fucking a bit convoluted in terms of like actual setup, in terms of like actual like backstory of it. But basic setup is, you know, the you know the Chinese zodiac. Yeah. What if a city was divided up into group? What if the city was divided up into pieces where each piece was ruled by a family whose family name is fucking tied to one of the parts of the Zodiac. Are we talking about Junie Tyson or No. Okay, sorry. This just so this just sounds too similar to a series that's out this season about a war of 12 factions, meaning the 12 animals of the Zodiac. This is not that. This is a city ruled by ruled by families that are tied to the Zodiac, but they're not at war. Hmm. Except the rat and the cat families. Uh, of course. Which is what the romance is. The romance is just, hey, this fucking cat is this hateful fucking bitch who will cease to exist if she doesn't hate somebody. So then the so then the main character from the rat family is like, yo, I'm gonna make unwanted I'm gonna make unwanted romantic advances at you so you will hate me. So you will be able to exist. That might have been in the one shot. That might have been in the actual story. I don't know. All I know is that I'm. I will read more of this. Found it. Okay, the series I was what talking about. Uh, Big order. Ah, <laughs> uh, isn't that isn't isn't that the one from the fucking Mary Nikki guy? Uh, I'd have to check. Um, but let me just read this. Eiji Hoshimi is an introverted high school student with a huge secret. He wished for the destruction of the world when he was younger. Fairies gave him certain people spe- gave certain people special powers called orders. What orders can do with their power depends on their wishes. Ten years after the great destruction, Eiji chose to turn with his immense power, which is to control the world and everyone in it. Jesus Christ. Okay, so the so the anime series based on it was from was from I believe like the director or some kind of studio tied to tied to uh, Mary Nikki, but the series itself is just from some other guy. And the title, the fucking cover artwork for the fucking first volume is terrible. I haven't looked at it, but I just like this. One of the uh, writers on ANN listed it as the worst anime of last year. <laughs> And his the way he describes it uh, is kind of funny. It's like it fell apart so completely as it went on that it wasn't even entertaining in a train wreck sense anymore. <laughs> oh wow! So yeah. <sighs> anyway, moving on. Um, started reading Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer. Was that the series that uh, that other that, was that guy who's Pudge read all the time and kept telling you to read? Yes. Okay. 
Yeah, so in it, main guy, he's a bit of a fucking shit. Doesn't really doesn't have any motivation. Kind of like doesn't really like anything. Uh, one day he wakes up and there is a talking lizard on him, saying that he is a lizard knight who is there to recruit him in the fight against the evil wizard who wants to destroy the planet. Uh, up in the sky, there is a giant hammer that nobody can see except the other knights. Uh, there are, I believe, thirteen knights total, and then we, and then they all work for a princess who turns out is his next door neighbor. Who is a high oh, school sure, student? That old story, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you didn't have to say that. You could have just said next door neighbor because you know that cliche. <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, they're in an apartment complex, and they've only been living there for like a couple of years. They're not. They're not like. They're not like. Oh yeah, we've been living next to each, next door to each other since we were babies. They don't get that cliche with it. Fun. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the princess, uh, or in their, or in this case, Lucifer. Because the because the main female character is the Lucifer of the title. She is working to destroy the hammer and stop the wizard so that she can destroy the planet herself. And that gets our main character's interest. So the series progresses with uh with these with um with like the main character and I'm just gonna call her Lucifer. There's a main character and Lucifer. Uh, the two of them finding other knights and creating forces and joining up and stuff, while the two of them secretly are plotting against the other knights. Like, like they will still go out there and do like the knight stuff. They will still like form friendships with them and stuff. But end of the day, knights want to save the planet. They want to destroy it. Okay. And you know, like premise wise and setup wise and stuff, it this all works. I'm really into this. And once we like get deeper into why these people are the way that they are. I really dig this. I'm not going to spoil it like I did with fucking Inside Mari because with, with I'm in Mari, there was kind of no way for me to talk about what I really liked about that series without giving that away. And with this, I'll say that it starts out from an interesting premise, and then it gets more interesting as we learn the motivations behind each character wanting to do this. And then we also meet more knights and stuff, and things get weirdly heavy for a series called, for a series where the main weapon is a biscuit hammer. Yeah. I distinctly remember Pudge saying it was darker than oh, that he would have expected. Yeah, I super see why Pudge wanted me to read this, and I am kind of pissed at myself that it took me this long. Yeah, well, that's the way it goes. Usually we tell you to read something, and you get to it eventually, and then you hate yourself for taking as long as you did to get to it. Given the amount of stuff I've talked about, you can see why it takes me a while. Yeah, I Cause suppose. Because I, I read like nine different series at once. <sighs> yeah, so speaking of reading nine series at once, I started reading Hunter x Hunter. Oh, that's gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah. This I So the reason I started watching this is more anime YouTubers who were talking about how in Hunter x Hunter, like Nen and other stuff like that is like this series had really interesting fight scenes and stuff and like really interesting like battles and power ups and stuff in that it wasn't all just like fucking hey we overpower and go it was like a lot of like actually like clever uses of power and stuff and not just like incremental fucking upgrades to your new form and shit I was like okay I'll fucking check it out I checked it out and so far it's a lot of it like like gone our main character 
he is he's interesting i'm i'm like i'm liking him i'm liking a lot of the fight stuff they've done so far i'm just not seeing a lot else to it yeah i haven't read this series uh Cora was a pretty big fan of the manga for this series, but uh, he has pointed out that Hunter x Hunter, the, I don't know if it's the same writer and artist, you would have to tell me, but um, the writer and art- artist of this series is someone who likes to turn in unfinished work. Oh yeah, like even, like I am... I am on chapter 53, and that is already readily apparent. Yeah. And I'm not sure if I can hate the director, the writer, for his style, because I've liked his style in other projects, Mm -hmm. even if I think other adaptations have improved on what the guy did, Um, because this is the same writer who did you, Hakusho. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's, yep. (laughs) Makes a lot of sense so, now that I'm actually thinking about it. Like, like looking at it, I was like, oh, this looks like fucking Yu Yu Hakusho, but worse. Yeah, if it's it, it's, it's so it's. I didn't think it was possible for a series to somehow have the same problems as Yu Yu Hakusho, but try even less to actually like tell a story and look good. No, like Yu Yu Hakusho. Even though I wasn't a big fan of the art style, it at least looked finished. Yeah. Like, the, the, like it was very clear. Like, hey, this is this is like finished inking and penciling and stuff. This isn't. This is like him doing a rough sketch of a person on a white background and then handing it off to assistant to ink it, and then just that's it. Like fucking half the panels in this aren't done. Yeah, like very it is. Much so. It is rare where I will see a series that like you, you know how some series. Uh, like with scan leaps and stuff, you, they'll occasionally give like a page at the at the end that has like a rough sketch of a character in like a funny situation or something. Mm-hmm. It's rare where the art in the actual book is worse than the art for that little end stinger thing. The series is also very matter of fact. Like, there's not a whole lot of, like, stopping and explaining stuff for, like, the fucking dumb dumbs who don't understand how the world works. It's just, hey, this is, this is how things are. Fucking go. And, like, to an extent, I can respect that. But the Hunters themselves don't seem like a well-put-together organization of anything. I wasn't even clear if it had... I wasn't even clear on if whether or not it had, like, a defined like reality of any sort. It kind of does it. Cause like, cause like the world is this fucking insane world where like technology isn't like super far fucking advanced, but they have like, and they're like fucking magic and monsters and shit, but Japan exists. Like just straight up Japan. Yeah. Just straight up. Like, like one of the, like during the Hunter exam, uh, one of the tests is that you have, it was that uh, one of the, one of the, like the, t- the test examiner, wanted food because she was a gourmet hunter and she wanted sushi. And then it just shows a picture of Japan. And then they make sushi. And like one of the jokes, okay. that, and like one of the jokes in that bit is nobody knows what sushi is. So it's like wrong, wrong, wrong. And then somebody pulls up a rice ball. It's like, it's like right country, wrong food. Okay. 
but yeah, so the basic setup of this world is that hunters are the be all and end all of people. Like they are, they are this fucking world spanning organization that can do anything and everything, have like near unlimited funds and are just like the fucking best. Everybody who is, everybody who wants to do anything wants to be a hunter, but it is stupid hard to get into it. And so hunters fight magic beasts, get food, kill people, hunt for fucking ruins and artifacts and shit from lost civilizations and do everything else that I haven't mentioned. Okay. I... I... This organization is so fucking ramshackle. It feels disingenuous to call it an organization. Because that would mean that I am calling it organized in some way. This world is just this fucking mishmash of anything the guy could think of to make the story progress further. Character-wise, all of our most important characters are... 10. And we've spent, and I spent like the last like 30 chapters or so with one third of the main characters. So I just don't know. I don't know what this is. And I don't know why it's still going. Like, I fucking followed all those news stories and stuff saying, like, oh, Hunter x Hunter is going back on fucking hiatus. Oh, no, it's back. No, it's on hiatus again. I genuinely do not understand how this series is allowed to do that. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, having not read it myself, I don't really have the depth of understanding of its appeal to explain why... It's go. It's lasted as long as it has. It maybe it's just like held on, based on I don't know the extremity of its character of how useful its characters are. But, but it, I don't. They're know. not like 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 Gon is an interesting guy. But even now, like fifty chapters in, he's starting to wear on me a bit. Just like just like uh, he is. He is the only thing that's keeping him from being like a god level OP character is the fact that he doesn't understand how the world works. Like, like in the series, he fucking broke like fucking half of his fucking skeleton. Said it would take four months to heal. He healed. He healed it all to like fucking peak level inside of a month. When he was introduced to the concept of Nen, it was like, all right, so we have a couple options to go th- to go for, like, you know, what's going to be happening. Uh, you, can l- you, can, you can learn it the slow way, which takes about six months, or you can learn it or you can learn it the fast way, which takes about a week. And then he does it in, like, three days. He has this fucking, like, insane fucking sense of smell and sight that makes him this weird fucking bloodhound. He... Just won't fucking stop for nothing. Like, like there was a point where, what, like, they one of the points of the like exam 
was this little like kind of like bracketed fighting tournament where the loser gets to progress to the next round and the winner just immediately passes the exam. And so and so in the thing, he gets his arm broken, gets the shit beat out of him, and has a sword pointed directly at his fucking forehead, like to the point where it actually cuts him a bit and he's bleeding. And he and he's just like he's like, I don't want to die, but I'm not gonna fucking give up. Stupid. And then his opponent just surrenders. Yeah, that's okay. You see, this all sounds like the same personality traits that I associate with you, Hakusho, but the characters seem so much less well-defined. That's because they are. Like, this is way worse than you, Yu Hakusho. Which is you- a shame because I, I actually, now thinking about it, Yu Yu Hakusho I don't think ever really had a strong story. No, like what kind of like it had it worked for its boiler characters. Pla- boilerplate shonen, but I love all the characters so much. So I guess I was willing to forgive kind of how basic and uninteresting the story is. But yeah, I mean, if from what it sounds like you're saying, the like I never thought the guy who wrote and drew Yu Yu had a strong art style anyway. But if it's actually somehow worse. And if the characters have almost no definition of any kind, then yeah, at that point I have almost nothing to fall back on. No, like some like some of them do have definition. I just don't like the definition of the main character. Okay, so then Gon's the big problem for you. Yeah, like like other characters, they do have they do have like motivations and stuff beyond just like fucking boilerplate shit. Like one guy, he joined he specifically joined up with the hunters so that he could afford to go to med school. Because because the hunter organization will pay for his fucking college. Another guy joined it to hunt down mem- to hunt down fucking members of this fucking bandit group that murdered his entire family and all of their extended tribe because of their eyes. Because when they die, their eyes turn red. And then and then like like those two characters just fucking disappear so that we can hang out with Gone, who's looking for his dad and wants to be the best because like fuck it, what else is he gonna do? And him hanging out with uh, Killua, a kid raised by a family of assassins who is so powerful that he that he joins up with uh, he joined the hunter's exam because he was bored. Yeah, and the world itself, like I said, it's a fucking mishmash. Just. It's like, all right, what do we want to do? Let's have like some kind of tournament thing. All right, here's a fucking 200 story tall tower leads to a tournament. All right, what do we want next? Let's go to a jungle. All right, here's a jungle. Get fucked. There's no sense of cohesion with this world. It feels like fucking battle world. Just we took random elements from other things, threw them all into this fucking pot, and sees what let's see what come fucking comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Given given and what to, I fuck given the very limited amount of knowledge about the fucking anime and manga industry that I've learned from fucking watching Bakuman nine times, Hunter X Hunter shouldn't be around anymore. But somehow it fucking is. Anyway, final things. Four series left, but I'm just going to fucking blow through them because guess what? They're fucking isekai stories. 
So, World Customized Creator. An Isekai story, but his special power is that he can he has access to the level editor. Well, that sounds like fun. <laughs> yep. Um, Yase no last boss, god, what fucking whatever. You know Overlord? Vaguely. What if instead of being a lich demon, it was a lady with big tits? Okay. Isekai Kakikyo. He becomes a pharmacist. That's actually, one of, that's actually one of the more interesting ones. Like he, like instead of being reincarnated from Jump, he just kind of like the guy, the guy who was a doctor trying to work to fall, trying to work to find like fucking cures for everything because his sister died. He dies from he dies from exhaustion and overworking. Wakes up in the body of a kid who is from a family of pharmacists. Finds out that he has like fucking god level healing powers, as well as the fact that he has like fucking thirty five years of medical knowledge from being a fucking like decent and decent doctor working for a fucking research firm. And then opens up a fucking in town pharmacy just for whatever. Creates a creates a fucking makeup line. It's actually kind of interesting. But the one that is genuinely interesting and that I will definitely keep reading because it is something that I have been clamoring for and I mentioned on the show before, the wrong way to use healing magic. Oh, I read this one. I am super fucking down for this because I have been talking nonstop on this goddamn podcast about how I want an isekai story about a fucking support character. And that's what this is. Like he comes in, like this guy comes in and he has an app. Like, so the story is main guy, Usato, uh, he ends up accidentally befriending the two most popular people in his school. And then they are, and all three of them are transported to a fucking magical world that needs their help in order to fucking fight a demon clan. But Usato was taken there by accident. So our leads. So our two most popular ones, a guy and a girl, the guy has some weird fucking light magic. So he begins training as a hero. The girl has lightning magic. Begins training as a hero. Um, Usato has healing magic and is then immediately kidnapped by the head of the rescue squad, a specific branch of the military or whatever that it, that is only that only goes out into battlefields specifically to drag unconscious and heavily wounded dudes back to the fucking tents, heal them up, and send them back out into the fight. He goes like the dude goes through this like this, like this hellish training. In order to get like super fucking fast and shit, and he does all that not to learn how to fight, not to learn how to do anything, but only to learn how to how to very quickly and easily run into run into the fucking hell of a battlefield, grab people, and get them out of there alive. And I f- kind of fucking love this. Yeah, I do too. I mean, it's. The things I like about it are not really the story yet, because that aside from the premise of the main character, it's kind of boilerplate. What I more like than anything is the characters. Oh yeah, like even like main character wise, he has a he has a personality. The other characters have yeah. a personality to him. Yeah, particularly the likely love interest. Yeah, the female hero. Who 
I think in her own head thinks she's like a Disney princess, but everything she does says otherwise. Yeah, she's also like a super closet otaku. Yeah, it does seem that way. Because like the second a magic circle begins like showing up to teleport them, her face just immediately turns to pure glee. And once she get once they get into like the actual fantasy world, she is just fucking down spouting out all that shit. Like, hey, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. I fucking ready Sky before. While the while the hero guy is like, wait, what? I I I just feel like this is the right thing to do. You know, Sato's like, eh, I can heal. I'll save you guys, assholes. Let's do this, let's do this shit. It's also great because it it does a. Like the way, like when I initially read the title of the series, that the title is what fucking pushed me away from the series for so long. Like I, like this, this is a scan related by Champion Scans, who do Exterminator, another East Sky series that both me and Birdie really enjoy. Yes, but what initial, and so I was seeing this on their fucking website all the time. I'm just hey, the wrong way to use healing magic, and I, and it was it really pushed me away because. That title suggested to me that he somehow he somehow found a way to use healing magic for combat purposes. Like he would like he would use like fucking he would he would do like a fucking like Black King from uh, Drifters thing of like oh hey I use, I use my healing magic to give you cancer or something stupid like that where his cure wounds spell can somehow nuke a planet or something. Yeah, or like he's only good at killing undead or something. Something along those lines. But. Actually reading it. The his healing magic is for healing, period. Like like any kind of like any kind of like better than regular physical abilities he has are only through like fucking months and months, like weeks and weeks of training that has pushed him to the fucking edge because because like they're able to use healing magic to fucking re so fucking like heal up any muscle damage so does muscles fucking like grow at a rate that is fucking unheard of because like oh hey i did all this i overworked my muscles and they fucking got ripped to shit then oh they're healed and they're fine yeah let's do this again and basically that for weeks on end and the and like the healing power itself is the rare thing like it's not it's not like oh he has some fucking like mystical ancient healing magic that nobody's ever heard of before even within the realms of healing magic which is very common in this world it's like no healing magic and aptitude for healing magic is incredibly rare in this entire kingdom there are four people who have it including our main guy and some of them are not even as effective as he is because uh, some of them have been shown even if they have great talent for healing magic they don't have the constitution he does yeah so that's why the red-haired crazy lady who runs the rescue squad who is more feared than the actual military generals yeah <laughs> and yep. her her approach her approach to stopping a demonic invasion is to throw a tree at them yeah she just fucking grabs a tree and just hucks it at these hucks it at a fucking army of actual demons i was like sub bitches and it all works like Character-wise, they have done a fucking the writer of this has done a fucking fantastic job of making these characters like understandable and like super likable. Yeah, fuck, I am fucking in. I am. I I kind of love this book. 
Yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. I'm not sure I love it quite as much as you do, but I like it. Yeah, I feel like the only reason I I do like it as much as I do, like more than you, is because I subject myself to way more awful isekai stories. That's entirely possible. Yeah, just like I, I have read like like of of the isekai series that I've come across, I have read like sixty percent of the ones I've found. Whereas Birdie, I'm assuming, unless like unless it is something that very much catches your eye of like, hey, this is something fucking I've never. This is like actual, uh, possibly interesting idea. You won't give. You won't fucking. No, know? I will. I will not give the time of day to just any series. I have to be intrigued somehow. I have read some for a while that sounded interesting and then turned out not to be. But it's not that I don't go through like a rolodex of isekai shit and say, okay, I'll read this. I'll read this. I'll read this. As opposed to me. Who, given the fact that the last nine shows I've talked about at least one Isekai series, will probably tell you something about how I read, how I pick Isekai series in that, hey, does this sound retarded? Eh, not as retarded as uh, some of the stuff I've read. Click. Yeah, I am real fucking glad I I picked up this one. This is, it'll be interesting when the plot actually happens. Which seems to be coming soon. Like they, like the, the thing they've been building up is the is the actual battle. Once we get to the actual battle, what will happen? Because like our our um, Usado, he has been he's been questioning whether or not he will be able to properly go into a battlefield and save people. And given Rose's backstory, the head of the fucking rescue squad. It will be really interesting to see how she reacts to him being on the battlefield for the first time. Yep. And also the fucking heroes. I want to see what they I want to see what they do. Cuz the heroes again are characters. Yeah. Like main even, like main even guy yeah. Dean McMain character, he's kind of bland uh, of the three, he's the most bland, but uh he's still kind of awesome. Yeah, like he has like he has like a good heart and he's like he's like a good guy. Which is rare. It's rare that in a series that focuses on not the not the main hero, it's where it's where we're, it's where where the main hero actually is just a decent person. Yeah, and not like a total dick bag. Yeah, and then but our. I, I mean, actually, you know, he kind of reminds me of. Hmm. Uh, he kind of reminds me of the uh, pretty boy sniper from uh, Alderaman on the Sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kinda. It, uh, and again, it'll be interesting to see him get into actual combat. Yep. I feel like, but I, and like we've had, um, we've seen our main girl character get into like combat, but not on the level that that's going to be coming. Yeah, not on the level of like actual threat combat. No, like the like the combat we've seen is is some bandits. Yeah, and, and she a just tucks lightning at him. Yeah, but now we're going into like fucking fighting the Demon Lord's army. Also, we haven't seen the Demon Lord yet. No, we've seen his generals, but not the Demon Lord. Yeah, we've seen his generals and his hand. So I feel like there's going to be something with him. Yeah, I guess we'll see. It also would not surprise me if the main girl. 
switch sides and start working for the Demon Lord. I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah, like she talked, she talked a lot in the series about how she never feels like she belongs anywhere. Even here, she's like not really feeling like she's fitting in. So it would not surprise me if she fucking sees the Demon King. It's like, oh, that looks interesting. I'll, I'll be back. And then just fucking next time we see her, she has horns. But yeah, we'll see. Like I said, there are seven chapters out right now. Check this one out. Anyway, that's everyone I've been reading and watching then. On to news. So first up, some pretty big fucking news. That um, you and me, Birdie, actually got wrong. Okay. So we talked about this a little bit um, over text. Uh, We initially thought that... Hiroya Oku and uh, and, uh, Ken- and Kengo Hanazawa, the creators of Gantz and I'm a, I Am a Hero, respectively. Uh, we initially thought that those two were working on a new anime, a new manga series together. Turns out they're both separately working on a new manga series each. It was just announced in the same announcement for the same magazine. So yeah, all that speculation about who would write it, who would draw it, that was all for naught. Oh, well. They're both writing and drawing their own individual series. So, Oku, uh, his new series is Gigant, which all we have of it at this point is that it will be serialized in the first issue of Big Comic Superior Magazine in 2018. And it was being... It was... It was solicited on this fucking splash page of a girl with choker with a cross on it who got big old bitties. Okay. We'll see. Um, Hanazawa's manga does not have a title or a launch date. Those will be announced at a later time, but yeah, new I am a hero guy and new Gantz shit. Fucking I'm hype. Anywho, moving right along. Uh, so, Weekly Shonen Sunday and the 52nd issue um, revealed that uh, there will be a new manga series coming from uh, Kyoichi Nanatsuki, the writer for the Nintendo game Project Arms. A series will be written by him, drawn by uh, Tepe Sugiyama. And it is called uh, Detective Zeno and the Seven Closed Room Murders. It's presumably about a detective solving closed room murders. Uh, the manga will be debuting on the in the magazine's first 2018 issue, which will be, which will be launching on December 29th of this year. I mainly just I mainly just saw this because like, hey, that you know that fucking Nintendo punching game? The guy who wrote it's making a manga. Sure. Apparently he made okay. a manga before. Anyway, moving on to just fucking sad. Sonobahiro Watsky, 
the creator of Ramoni Kenshin. Oh, yeah, I heard this story. Was arrested by the Tokyo Metropolitan Police Department on suspicions of child pornography. I never like hearing these kinds of stories. No, you don't. You don't fucking don't. But they're fucking important, so we gotta fucking talk about it at least by saying, hey, this is the thing that's happening. So yeah, according to investigators, um, uh, Watsky uh, was was found to be in possession of multiple DVDs, which had a bunch of naked early teen girls on them. Uh, the police also searched his home and found these alleged DVDs. Um, reports indicate that the police have suspected the manga, uh, the, the mangaka, to have been buying these illegal DVDs for some time now. If found guilty, uh, he will be he might be subjected to not more than one year imprisonment, as well as a fine of more of no more than a million yen. And this is a weird bit, but the article says child pornography is now illegal in Japan. Which implies that until recently it wasn't. I. <sighs> Fuck. I'm sad again. Yeah. So that's going to do it for this week. Thank y'all for joining us. Well, that's a note to end on. Yeah, like, fuck, do you have anything else to say about this? No. We'll be back in two weeks' time with another episode of the DestoProds.com Anime Manga Podcast. In between now and then, though, we got some shit coming out. I don't fucking know. Till then, I'm dead. And I'm Birdie. And hopefully by next time, there won't be any more allegations of horrible sex crimes. <laughs>